Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 367 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here's the Unpopular Podcast. Not only ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. It's rare on any given Sunday, or it's rare in the NFL to see things that we've never seen. Especially when we look at the history of sports or look at the history of the NFL. It's very hard to see something for the first time. It's a little jarring at first. So a lot of times you don't know what to make of it because, again, this is the first time we've seen it. Now, where I'm going to start this episode, obviously I'm going to start with breaking down week three of the NFL season. But where we're going to start is obviously with the... Denver Broncos getting 70 points put on their head against the Miami Dolphins. Now, in no means is this the first time we've seen a lopsided score like this. In no means is this the first time that we've seen an offense as prolific as the Dolphins is, which we'll talk about in a second. But I want to start on the Denver Nuggets or Denver Broncos side. The Denver Broncos obviously lost 70 to 20. And going into this season, I talked about this a little bit before, but (laughs) going into this season, the questions that we had wasn't, can Sean Payton coach this team? The question was, can Sean Payton coach Russell Wilson? We know how bad Russell Wilson looked last year, and we know how rocky it got towards the end of his Seattle days. And I you say this, I've said this before, but I'm very hesitant in, on building up a team or expecting success from a team that's been loud in the offseason. I talked about that with the Bills. I didn't expect much. I'm not going to say I expect them to be trash, but I didn't expect them to be a championship caliber team because of the noise that permeated through their organization this offseason. Now, again, I I right now I could be wrong. We'll talk about it in this we'll talk about it when we get to that game. But along with the Bills, the the Denver Denver Broncos are one of the loudest teams, obviously, this offseason. When we talk about, you know, getting a new coach in Sean Payton and, you know, the the Sean Payton comments with Nathaniel Hackett and and how you're not really supposed to comment on another coach that's not in your organization. And, of course, the Russell Wilson and how he's going to approach Russell Wilson or how he's approaching coaching Russell Wilson. It was just a lot. One thing that I never expected, and I don't think that anyone expected, especially after what we saw last year and what we've seen through the first three weeks of this year. Nobody expected the Denver Broncos to struggle the way they are struggling. I don't think it's surprising that the Denver Broncos are 0-3. While, no, I didn't think they would be 0-3 to start the season. I thought that they could either be really good or it could take some time. 
And as we sit here today, it looks like the whole taking some time thing is is what's 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 more likely. But I didn't expect them to struggle on the defensive side of the ball. Let's get let's 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 make one thing clear. The Denver Broncos are struggling team wide. While yes, Russell Wilson is playing better than he played last year, he's not absolved of what is wrong with the Broncos right now. Russell Wilson has struggled mightily in second halves of games this year. While you can look at the numbers, 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and think, oh, that's not that bad. He threw for 600 or 300 yards. They gave up 70 points. They lost by 50. So when I hear a lot of people say, and I've said this too, Russell Wilson is not to blame for the Denver Broncos struggle. While no, I wouldn't put majority of the blame on Russell Wilson. I think he's played much better this year than he did last year. He isn't the reason why they're succeeding. Let me say that. But the biggest issue for the Denver Broncos this year has been their offensive line. Or has not offensive line, I'm sorry. Has been their defense. Their defense has been one of, if not the worst defense in football. Now, when you talk, I understand that Bradley Chubb's not there, but when you have a Patrick Sertan, when you have a Randy Gregory, which I don't think he's played yet, but when you have the players that they have, they shouldn't be. And you going into the season, you're thinking that if anything was to what was to go right from day one, it would be their defense. Well, that has been furthest from the truth. We're going to talk about another team in a second. But as we sit here today, the Denver Broncos are one of the worst teams in football. And you, what, what we're trying to do, what people are trying to do, what I find myself trying to do at times is I'm trying to latch on to some to positivity I don't like negativity nobody likes well I'm not gonna say nobody but I don't like negativity I don't like you know swimming in the realm of negativity I try to find positivity in everything I try to find positivity in even poor situations I try to find the positivity or I try to 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 shovel out a positive outcome out of a negative situation. So when I look at this Denver Broncos team, I'm trying to find positivities. And while you can say, yeah, Russell Wilson has been very good the first half of games, or Russell Wilson has been good, or let me say better than he was last year. You can also say Sean Payton's record, like, like, the history of Sean Payton has been really well. It's very hard in the in the present to find positivities with this team. You know, I I I, I tell people all the time because people ask me, uh, Jalen, why don't you coach? 
I play basketball a lot. I pretty much immerse myself in basketball. Um, and people ask why I don't coach. Why I don't, I mean, why haven't I gone the route of coaching? And I, and it's very simple. I am not, I know I'm not going to be a good coach. I know my personality, my temperament, I know that I would be a horrible coach because I have a tough time. I have a tough time understanding the situation at hand at times. Meaning this. I have a tough time coaching up somebody. Because it's like if I tell you, hey, bro, your your man is the best three-point shooter on the team. There should be no reason why he should ever get a wide-open three. Because he is their best and their only three-point shooter. And then the very next play, homie that I just talked about hits a wide-open three. I'm benching you for the game. Because it's like, obviously, you're not understanding what I'm saying, bro. Obviously, you're not good. you know. I, I, and that's my mindset. I can't have that mindset, obviously, coaching. So that's why I'm not a good coach. Why did I just insert myself in this conversation? Because you, as a coach, you have to be able to connect with your entire team. That's one of the difficulties about coaching, especially coaching in a professional league. Because most of the time, the players make more money than you. Like, that's that's just usually what it is. So it's not like you can come in here on your high horse and be like, only a few coaches can do that. Because at the end of the day, a lot of players have, every player has ego, every player has, has a lot of players are making more money than the coach. A lot of people was skeptical going into this season with Sean Payton being the head coach of this team or of the of the Denver Broncos because of the because of the reputation that Russell Wilson has as a player especially last year and throughout the first 3 weeks it hasn't it hasn't looked like Sean Payton has been able to connect with Russell Wilson you're hearing I understand there are different coaching styles. You know, there's a authoritarian coaching style. There's a uh, there's a there's a punishment coaching style. There's a friendly or friend to friend coaching style. I understand that there's different types of coaching styles, but you also have to understand there's different type of players, and and a lot of players take. Or how do I let me say a lot of there different players take on or take kindly to different. How do I say this? Let me say this. Let me put this in a, in a legible sentence. A lot of players don't take kindly to certain type of coaching styles. And what it seems like is. The coaching style that Sean Payton brings Historically, Russell Wilson has not taken kindly to that. Let's say that. 
you know, we know Sean Payton is the type of coach that tells it exactly how it is and doesn't mince words and is very drill sergeant-y and very blunt and cutthroat. Well, that hasn't really bode well coaching someone like Russell Wilson. Now, I do think that both sides has to understand that there has to be some give and take. And I'm not, obviously, I'm not an insider. I don't know if this can just be a crock. Uh, uh, this can, I can just be his, emphatically wrong. It's just what it looks like. What it looks like is, especially in the second half of games, there is such a disconnect between the coach and the, and the players. Especially Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Look here, you. do you know how hard it is to put up 70 points? Me and my girl, can be. we can be playing Madden. And I don't know if I would put up 70 points. That's, that's tough to do. I think it's time. I don't, I don't like, I understand the statistics of a team that goes 0-3 and their likelihood or their chances of making the, the playoffs is very slim to none. And I don't think that the Denver Broncos, especially currently constructed and especially how this uh, defense is playing, I don't think that they're playoff bound. But what I am saying is I'm looking into the future. That's what you have to do with this Denver Broncos team. You have to look into the future and you have to understand I don't know how much longer we're going to see a Russell Wilson, Sean Payton marriage. It doesn't seem like anyone in Denver likes Russell Wilson. And you just pay, we know the track record that Sean Payton has. People are going to side with Sean Payton before they ever side with Russell Wilson, unfortunately. So, yes, I understand that this is one game. If I was a coach, I wouldn't watch the tape of this game. Ain't no goddamn way I'm watching the tape of this game. But there is there is a lot of problems in Denver. And it doesn't just, it's not just a Russell Wilson or a Sean Payton problem. There's multiple layers to this problem lasagna when we talk about the Denver Broncos because losing 70 to 20 isn't just a one week thing. Like this isn't just a, Oh, it just wasn't our day. No, there has to be, there has, there is a lot more brewing under the surface. And on the Denver, I mean, on the Miami Dolphins side, this is the team. This is the team that we expected when Mike McDaniels. In fact, it's not. Let me let me actually backtrack. No one expected the Denver, I mean, the Miami Dolphins to be this good. Nobody expected the Miami Dolphins to be this good. Now, don't get me wrong. Before Tua's injury last year, they were playing well. 
Tua looked really good. He didn't look like MVP caliber, but he looked really good. This team, the connection between him and Tyreek Hill looked great. The, the, the Miami Dolphins were looking incredible before Tua got hurt last year. But this is what happens when you have every you know what you know what we saw on Sunday? We saw an organization that doesn't have anything like there's no connection between anyone compared to a team that everyone is on a string. Everybody goes in there with a goal. Everybody is is laser focused and everyone is on the same page compared to a team that nobody's on the same page. Yo, listen to some of these numbers, bro. Tua Tagovailoa only only missed three passes, 23 for 26, 304, 309 yards, four touchdowns. Davon Acne, Acne, I know I said your name wrong, bro. I apologize. He carried for 18 carries, 203 yards, two touchdowns. Raheem Morstert, 13 carries, 82 yards, three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, nine receptions, 157 yards, one touchdown. Raheem Morsa had seven receptions, 60 yards, another touchdown. Yo, we talk about the greatest, they talk about, they've been comparing, I think this is the fourth time in NFL history that a team has scored 70 points. And of course, they're, they want to compare this Miami Dolphins team to the greatest show on turf. The Rams, I think it was 2000 I'll say this mind you they put up 70 points and their second best wide receiver in Jalen Waddle didn't play I don't care what you bring to the table I don't care what any team does if this Miami Dolphins team I'm not going to say they're putting up 70 every time I'm not saying that but if this team is able to stay healthy, especially with Jalen Ramsey coming and, of course, Jalen Waddle probably playing next game, if, if this team is able to stay healthy, this is by far the best team in football. And I think, again, three weeks in, I have – Tua Tagovailoa, the clear-cut MVP right now. And this is the manifestation of the team Mike McDaniels, who, by the way, was a, I think, ball boy for the Denver Broncos in the beginning of his career when he was young. And now he put a 50 on them boys. That's crazy. Again, the, you can sum this game up in you saw one team that nobody is on the same page compared to a team that every single person in that organization is on the same page. It's like a snowball 
or yeah, it's like a snowball falling down a hill. Once it picks up steam and once it it starts getting bigger and metastasizing, it it boy. I don't know how you stop it. Like an avalanche, that's what it is. Like an avalanche. But yeah, shouts out to the Miami Dolphins for beating the Denver Broncos seventy to twenty. The next game I want to talk about is the New York Jets losing again to the Patriots. One of the biggest reasons why I said it has to be tough to be a coach is because, like I said, it's you have to connect with everyone. And what I'm seeing with the what I'm seeing with this um, Jets team is. Robert Sala finds himself in a very tough situation. A situation that I don't know. I know what I would do. But obviously I'm quarterback. I'm I'm couch I'm a quarter I'm a couch coach. I understand the the very tough situation and very tough predicament that the Jets are in right now. I talked about this last episode and episode one. You put all your 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 apples in that Aaron Rodgers basket for the basket to completely fall apart four plays in the season. And you have this player in Zach Wilson that we all saw you and the organization give up on last year. I don't know. I am old enough to remember that they had Mike White shirts. The team had Mike White shirts. Who was the backup quarterback for Zach Wilson last year? He, They had Mike White shirts with Zach Wilson healthy on the team. You guys gave up on this player. And... As much as I know you gave up on this player, Zach Wilson knows you gave up on him. So, you put all your eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket. The basket completely falls apart. Four plays in. Tears his his Achilles. Out for the season. So, now you have to turn back to Russell Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson, I'm sorry. And the reason why I say it has to be hard being a coach is because you have to make a decision. Do you save one player or do you save a locker room? Now, I understand if it's, you know, like a a wide receiver or something like, all right, cool. Like, you can go. But this is the quarterback of your team. I saw that they just picked up or they just brought Trevor Simeon in. Let's let's not let's let's not mince words here. Zach Wilson has been terrible as a NFL player. 
You know how, and we'll talk about Justin Fields in a second. You know how I said that Justin Fields has had flashes of greatness? Zach Wilson has not. Zach Wilson has been terrible. In fact, shouts out to First Take and shouts out to Stephen A. Smith. Zach Wilson has comparable numbers to Russell Wilson. Who I mean, not Russell Wilson. Why do I keep saying Russell Wilson? Zach Wilson has numbers comparable to Jamarcus Russell, the person that everyone universally, when we talk about NFL busts, his name is probably on the Mount Rushmore of that. And Zach Wilson has numbers comparable to Jamarcus Russell. Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback. He is not an L. He has not proven to be not just a backup quarterback, but a NFL quarterback. I don't I don't I don't I don't like calling for people's jobs. I don't like saying people should be fired or cut or whatever. But what I'm saying is Russell Will, Russell, I mean Zach Wilson has not shown the ability to be an NFL quarterback. He's he's been god awful. And I understand the sentiment of you don't want to you know you you don't really have much you you ha- like think about it. One of the biggest reasons why the the Jets are in such a bad situation is because you're not bringing in a running back. You're not bringing in a Dalvin Cook three weeks into the season you're it's it's tough because you're bringing you're you're looking to bring in a quarterback and and the quarterback is the most important position on the field so now you're bringing in a new quarterback that is going to have to learn the learn a new system three weeks in the to the season not three weeks into coming to three weeks into the season that is damn near impossible in fact, we've seen several times where that has not worked. So I understand the situation that it's tough. You're hearing names like Matt Ryan, like Carson Wentz, like Cam Newton. Like you're hearing these are obviously quarterbacks that don't have a job right now. Or let me say, isn't on an NFL team. But when I say it has to be tough for Robert Sala because there is there is almost every report that comes out of the Jets locker room or comes out of the Jets organization is there is such a disconnect between Zach Wilson and the team because they understand everyone that looks that watches this Jets team and that sees this Jets team understands that this team is much better than what they're producing on the field. And that is because of the quarterback. You have a you have a you have the reigning rookie offensive rookie of the year. You have a guy in Brees Hall who would have won the offensive rookie of the year if he didn't get hurt last year. You have the reigning defensive rookie of the year in Sauce Gardner. You have Quentin Williams. You have C.J. Mosley. You have so many good players. But it doesn't matter because you have Zach Wilson. So I understand, you know, Robert Sala and his we're going to stick by Zach Wilson or Zach Will. I will say this. The line that Robert Sala continues to say, and he's absolutely right about right now, is Zach Wilson gives us the best shot of winning. He is absolutely correct about that. 
because Zach Wilson is the only quarterback on this roster that can play out, i.e. Aaron Rodgers. He's the only quarterback on this roster that has been here throughout the offseason. So he's the best quarterback. He's the only quarterback that knows the, the schemes, the plays, the cadences. He's the only one that knows that that can play right now. So as currently constructed, yes, he is the best. He gives them the best chance of winning. But on the other hand, he's also the main reason why you're losing. You can't point to anything else but Zach Wilson. And while I, again, I understand it's tough. Like, what do you turn to? Trevor Simeon ain't it either. But it just feels like this is such a young roster. And one thing that we know about young rosters and youth is that they're very fragile. And what I mean by that is it's very easy to divide a young locker room. And this Jets team is a young locker room that going and I know it's tough going into the season did not expect to be this bad. And they're not this bad because of the entire team. They're this bad because their most important position is terrible. And that is the quarterback position. It's tough. I don't know. I understand you want to go get a new quarterback, but again, it's going to be tough, especially three weeks in, to learn a whole new system. I hear, I heard, you know, maybe you should go get Kirk Cousins. Well, do you know how tough it is that Kirk Cousins is now going to have to forget everything that he knows with the Vikings and learn the Jets? It's it's tough. It's tough. The Jets are in a a lose lose situation right now. Oh, bro, it's tough. And I don't want to, I'm not going to sit and talk about the New England Patriots that much. I mean, they won. To me, the only reason why they won is because um, they played a a less uh, or an inferior quarterback on the other side in Zach Wilson. And we know who the New England Patriots are. We know their defensive first team. Matthew Judon was incredible yesterday. Um, And they were great. But what I want, what I do want to just address is Mac Jones and the quote-unquote dirty hit allegations. You can only be accused of something a few times before there has to be validity to it. And I think the worst part of Mac Jones and the worst part about what Mac Jones does is we can clearly see it on video. Of course, there was, you know, Sauce Gardner accused um, Mac Jones of, of course, hitting them below the belt. And Sauce Garner even put out a video showing it happening. 
And it was clear as day that he did that. The thing that I know about sports and the thing that I know about team sports is, of course, you want to beat your opponent. That's that's clear that you don't practice all week not to try to beat your opponent. But one thing, especially when we talk about physical sports like football, you don't want you want to beat your opponent, but you do care about the the NFL is a fraternity, bro. The basketball, the NBA is a fraternity. You care about your opponent. You may not want you don't want to go out to dinner with your opponent or whatever, but you care. You don't want them to get hurt. You don't want them to to you, you don't want to do things to cause them to get hurt. That's why I didn't understand the vitriol that uh, Mike Minka, Par- Minka Fitzpatrick got with the Nick Nick Chubb injury. I understand, you know, he his hit ultimately resulted in Nick Chubb being out for the entire year, but you know, Minka Fitzpatrick didn't mean to do that. No one wants to see someone get hurt. What I don't understand, or the difference between now, you know, usual players and and players that are are multiple or are accused of being dirty, is because it just doesn't seem like those players care about. That I understand that you do anything to win, but when you go out your way to try to be malicious and try to really hurt your other te- other players, that's a problem. And I understand that there's a lot more things to talk about, and we're going to move on shortly. But Mac Jones has been accused on several occasions of being a dirty player. And maybe because he's white, maybe because he plays for the Patriots, maybe because, you know, he... (laughs) He's not the quote unquote best quarterback that people just sweeping under the rug. But no, this continues to happen. And one time can be a mistake, two times can be an accident, three times is a pattern. There's been way more than three times. There is a video compilation on uh, YouTube that's showing dirty plays that Mac Jones has done. But congratulations to the New England Patriots for beating the Jets 15 to 10. Let's move forward. Um... I was very critical, or I have been very critical, of Justin Fields this year. To me, Justin Fields has been awful this year. Like, terrible. But one thing that I said, and one thing that I've clearly said, I've said this very clearly, is I'm putting the blame on Justin Fields that he deserves And that is his problem. I never put the whole, I didn't put this entire Chicago Bears team problems on him. I'm putting the one, the thing that Justin Fields can 
improve on is what he needs to improve, and that is seeing the field. Let's not get it twisted, bro. What's going on with the Chicago Bears is not just Justin Fields' fault. Justin Fields does play a part in it, and he only plays his part. But, no, it's not just a Justin Fields issue. You are blind if you have not watched this NFL season, these first three weeks, and not crown the Chicago Bears as the worst team in football. I cannot name one positive unit for this Bears team. Now you can argue the wide receiver unit. You have Mooney, you have DJ Moore, you have Claypool. But they haven't been good either. And it's very hard for a wide receiver core to be good when the quarterback can't get them the ball. The Chicago Bears are the worst team in football by far. And shouts out to Ryan Clark and shouts out to the NFL Live crew, Dan Orlowski, uh, Marcus Spears. Uh, shouts out to um, Laura Rutledge, Mina Kynes. Because they pointed out something that I've been overlooking myself. And they made a comparison that opened my eyes to everything. When, when you're the head coach of a team, or when you're the, the, the head coach is pretty much the, the point of an organization, right? Your job is to bring the best out of every player and bring the best out of the organization. That is why you are hired. We'll talk about them in a second, or we'll talk about them a little later in the show, but one of the biggest reasons why Mike Tomlin is such a great coach. Mike Tomlin isn't such a great coach because He's been to a Super Bowl or isn't such a great coach because, you know, he's he's he makes the Steelers a a Super Bowl contender year after year, which is furthest from the truth. Right. One of the biggest reasons why Mike Tomlin is such is considered such a great coach is it doesn't matter if they're eight and eight. It doesn't matter if they're, you know below 500 at any point of the season he gets the most out of every single player and even if the most isn't that good Mike Tomlin gets the most out of them he is the pure definition of leader of men I may not from the first three weeks of the season Kenny Pickett hasn't really looked good but I there's no question that Mike Tomlin is getting the best out of him that he can. When you talk about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, you can't have a player like Lamar Jackson and 
not scheme, not plan an offense or not scheme offense around that player because he's such a he's such a unique player that you can't just throw him in any offense. Like Lamar Jackson would never succeed in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Lamar Jackson would never succeed in the in the the Jets offense. Because those offenses aren't built around Lamar Jackson. And we saw once the Ravens come, you know, committed themselves to build an offense and to build a team around Lamar Jackson, you've seen nothing but success with this Ravens team. The Chicago Bears has not built the team around Justin Fields. They've built the team and they it feels like they've built a team and they just added Justin Fields. They have been the pure definition of not getting the best out of their quarterback. I'm not just blaming on the coach. It is it is an organizational problem. There is there is nothing good about this organization right now. Nothing. Whether the defense is trash, the offensive line is trash, Justin Fields have been trash. I mean, Justin Fields finished 11 for 22 for 99 yards the entire game as far as passing. Rushing, 11 rushes for 47 yards. This it's it's almost organizational malpractice that you don't you don't get the best out of your player. And as we sit here today, I can't find one positive. Maybe names. Obviously, DJ Moore is a good player. Mooney is a good player. But outside of that, I I can't find much positives out of this um, Kansas City or out of this. Chicago Bears team. This team is by far the worst team in football. And where I put the blame on Russell or on Justin Fields, where he deserves, he deserves the fact that he has not, he's been awful seeing the field. Everything else is not his fault. You saw the, I think it was the Chicago Tribune where they ranked every position or everything about the, about the, um, Bears and everyone got an F. That's true. The Bears are terrible. I haven't seen a team this bad in a while. And honestly, if, if they keep this up, I'd be shocked if they win more than two games. So, now on the Kansas City Chiefs side, I don't even want to talk about Taylor Swift. I'm kind of, I'm trying to talk. I'm, I'm kind of tired of talking about her or hearing about her and Travis Kelsey. If it's a relationship, it's none of my business. It's none of our business, honestly. I understand that you know Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. Uh, I understand that she is Taylor Swift, but I don't, I don't, I don't really care about none of that. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, they are starting. I'm not. I'm not going to say they're rolling, but they're starting to to figure things out, and they're starting to 
they still have issues, obviously, and that is, of course, the relationship that Patrick Mahomes is building with these wide receivers and you know how how are they how are you able to build around or how you know he's trying to to build relationships with these wide receivers uh, outside of Travis Kelsey because again Travis Kelsey seven receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown like Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey he is one of the greatest if not the greatest tight end in NFL history um but I do you know this is Exactly what we thought would happen is exactly what happened. They, d- the Chiefs destroyed the Bears. So I don't really take much out of. I will say this though, and this isn't just because it's the Bears, but the Chiefs. This is the first, even though Patrick Mahomes is their best player, but their best unit is the defensive unit or the defensive side of the ball, especially uh, the defensive front. Their defense is on. Uh, undoubtedly their best unit right now again i said their best player is patrick mahomes but their best unit is on the defensive side of the ball and that is something that should be scary for the rest of the league so shouts out to the chiefs for beating the bears uh 41 to 10 I think this episode is I don't I, I think the title of this episode is gonna stem somewhere around coaching. <laughs> because Brandon Staley better think. The only reason why Brandon Staley has a job right now is because Kirk Cousins can't finish in big moments. I said it. The re the biggest reason why the Chargers and Brandon Staley are still married to each other is because Kirk Cousins cannot finish in big moments. Damn the numbers. I know that you're going to look and say, wait, what do you mean? Okay, so the Chargers beat the Vikings 28 to 24. You're going to look at the numbers and say, damn, Jay. Justin Herbert, 40 for 47. 405 yards. Keenan Allen threw a 49-yard touchdown. Keenan Allen also caught uh, 18 receptions for 215 yards. Mike Williams, who did tear his ACL, he's out for the season. I hope for a speedy recovery. He had seven receptions for 121 yards. You're going to look at that and say, well, of course they're going to win, bro. They did. My my issue with Brandon Staley is, and it's not just my issue. Is it's the biggest problem with Brandon Staley is he continues to do things that have high risk, low reward, and of course, all this energy is stemming from. I think it's like fourth and two, a minute and a half left in the game. You're on your own 20-yard line, or you're you're on your own 23 or something like that. And you're winning by four points. So all you have to do, I don't understand why you just don't kick it and have the Vikings go the length of the field in a minute and 30 seconds. 
instead of going for it up four, going for it on your own 23, I think. So that you, when you don't make it, which you ultimately didn't, now the Vikings only have to go 23 yards to win the game. My issue is Brandon Staley continues to put his defense in bad situations. And you and, and trust me, I'm feeling this way, and I'm not even on the team. You think his defense doesn't feel? You think Joey Bosa and Derwin James and and Khalil Mack aren't thinking, dog? Why the why the hell do you keep putting us in this situation? I think when you look at the probability, if he would have kicked the ball. I think they would have had like an 80% chance of winning. Compared to if he would have got that first down, I think it would have been 82%. So you're telling me you're banking the game on 2%? Trust me, bro. If the if if Kirk Cousins would have been able to finish the game. And when I mean finish, I mean get win the game Brandon Staley would be out of a job Kirk Cousins 367 yards three touchdowns an interception Justin Jefferson seven receptions for 149 yards just a usual day for Justin Jefferson it's just frustrating to see inept ineptitude at the coaching position because that is that is in no metric should that be the case where you should think that that is okay to do something like that it was so bad the com the color commentators now mind you the color commentators their job is of course to tell the game and, and call the game and bring color to the game i.e color commentator but their job is not their how do i say this their job is to bring the best out of the game they're not there to criticize the game as much as you know you're not supposed to crap on the game the color commentators didn't even do a good job at that because it was almost it's almost impossible to see what brandon staley is doing and or Brandon Staley did and think to yourself, oh, let me let me bring some positivity out of that. Yo, he went for fourth and two and didn't get it. On your own, like, 23-yard line. So instead of having the Vikings go the length of the field in a minute and a half, you have them go 23 yards. 23. And trust and believe, if there was a better quarterback, if you gave Lamar Jackson 23 yards to win the game, you gave Patrick Mahomes, you gave Josh Allen, come on, bro. Again, shouts out to the Chargers for beating the Vikings 28-24. But the only reason why Brandon Staley has a job right now is because... Kirk Cousins couldn't finish, couldn't couldn't seal the deal. Which is also fitting as to why the Minnesota Vikings are 0-3. It's not on, it's not just on Kirk Cousins. Please don't hear me say that. 
But again, going into this season, I thought the NFC North was wide open. And I honestly thought going into it that the Vikings were one of, if not the best team in the division. The Vikings have been horrible, especially defensively. What we saw on Sunday is a microcosm of Kurt Cousins' career. Puts up huge numbers. Gets down early because they were down big early. Puts up huge numbers. When you, If you look at the stat sheet, he looks like he had an, an incredible game. But just comes up short time and time and time after again. He did this when he was in Washington. And now he's doing this in Minnesota. So, yeah. Let's move forward. I have been on the table. I've been very vocal. You know what it is? Winning is very hard to criticize when you're winning. It's very hard to criticize anybody, criticize any team when they're winning. Because at the end of the day, issues can arise, but you're winning. And there's not much you can say to a winner. I know that you can improve and get better or whatever, but it's hard to criticize winning. Because obviously those criticisms aren't resulting, aren't not resulting to losses. They're resulting to wins. I've been very vocal in saying that the Cowboys are one of, if not the best team in the NFC. I have talked about they looked good at, or they have been one of the most, if not the most complete team in football. I think arguably the most complete team in football right now is the Denver or is the Miami Dolphins. But the Dallas Cowboys have been one of the best teams in football. And they've been winning. But that winning obviously finally came to an end on Sunday when they lost to the Arizona Cardinals 28-16. to And the beauty, the funny thing about sports is that losing shines lights on or shines a huge light on your problems more than winning. People are a lot more receptive to issues when they lose compared to when they win. You see, I've said that the Dallas Cowboys are one of the best teams in football. And I don't think that this loss changes that. But what it does do is it highlights issues that this team has had since week one. We know that I... Outside of the Denver, I mean, why do I keep saying the Denver? <laughs> Jesus. Outside of the Miami Dolphins offensive or off offensive side of the ball, offensive unit, let's say that. Outside of the Miami Dolphins offensive unit, the best unit in football, you can argue, has been the Dallas Cowboys defense. And 
their defense has led to multiple picks and multiple forced fumbles and and multiple sacks and their de- their defensive unit has been dominant and their defensive unit has overshadowed their biggest issue and that has been the red zone inefficiency for this Dallas Cowboys and the offensive inefficiency for this Dallas Cowboys team The Dallas Cowboys have been destroying people. But when you look, a lot of it hasn't been because of Dak Prescott. It's been because they've gotten they've gotten defensive turnovers, they've gotten pick sixes, they've gotten uh strip sacks for or strip sack touchdowns. Like they have dominated on the defensive side of the ball. Dak Prescott hasn't been great. He's been good, he hasn't been great. And what we've seen is Dak Prescott in this team has struggled offensively scoring points, especially in the red zone. And as great as Dak Prescott can be, as great as Tony Pollard can be, as great as, you know, um, C.D. Lamb can be, they struggle with scoring. In the, they struggle with scoring on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, until they get that rectified, if they don't, if they – can get that rectified this team is going to be behind the eight ball even with as great as their defense is because as we saw on sunday against uh, the arizona cardinals their defense is very hard to be on a hundred every single time and i do want to shout out the arizona cardinals you know they even though going into this coming into the season they were expected to be by far the worst team in football and with Joshua Dobbs as their quarterback you didn't expect much but they've been incredible man he he has he hasn't been great but he hasn't been bad you know what i'm saying uh this team has played hard the defensively they played hard a lot of nobody really gives James Connors uh respect that he deserves he's been great running the football Shouts out to the Arizona Cardinals for beating the Dallas Cowboys 28 to 16. I'm not saying that the Dallas Cowboys season is over. I'm not saying that they're trash now. But what I am saying is it's kind of like a Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde situation with the Dallas Cowboys. When they're on, they're on. And it's very, it, it's hard. To, <laughs> you'd be hard pressed to beat them. Um, when they're off, boy. And it really highlights their issues, which, of course, is offensively, they haven't been that great, honestly. So, but we'll see. Moving forward, uh, shouts out to the Cleveland Browns for beating the Tennessee Titans 27 to 3. A lot of people are coming into my DMs and a lot of people are coming on to me talking about, you know, are you going to take back what you said about Deshaun Watson and how awful he's looked uh no (laughs) did you see Deshaun Watson throw the ball like behind him when there was like nobody there and even if there was even if the the running back caught it he was like well it was like 13 like 20 25 yards behind the offensive or the the line of scrimmage what are you doing bro and you can look at these numbers 27 for 33 uh, 28 
289 yards, two touchdowns, and think, oh, he's back. No, he is not. I need to see more consistency from Deshaun Watson before I, you know, go on a ledge and say he's, 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 no. What I will say, though, is at least through three seat, three weeks, this Denver or this Cleveland Browns defense has been the best defensive unit in football. And that is, I mean, you can argue the Dallas Cowboys, you can argue uh, um, the the 49ers, but, yo, I think that in total, this Cleveland Browns team defense has given up like negative 35 rushing yards. That is incredible. <laughs> oh, wait, I haven't, I haven't turned it. <laughs> that is incredible. Shouts out to them. That That is who I want to give the love to. This team, this this Cleveland Browns team, uh, if Deshaun Watson now, if if he continue if he continues to put up the numbers that he did this week, and Amari Cooper he had 116 yards. If he puts up the numbers and this defense continues to shine the way it's been shining, then of course the Cleveland Browns have a chance to make some noise, but. I need to see more from Deshaun Watson because I've seen a lot of bad. haven't seen much good this season. But what I have seen consistently good is this defense. And this defense is, I'm not going to say by far, but for sure one of the best defensive units in football, uh, if not the best. So shouts out to the Cleveland Browns for beating the Titans 27-3. Um. I was very vocal about Jordan Love and his uh, I was very vocal about Jordan Love and if he was going to be good or not. And I am here to say that I have been pleasantly surprised with Jordan Love and he's he I have been wrong so far. There have been times where he hasn't looked good but Jordan Love has been very good for this Green Bay Packers team and shouts out to the Green Bay Packers for beating the Saints 18 to 17 now you can look and they're gonna you know you can say Derek Carr was out uh, and before he went out they were up 17-0 you can say all that but at the end of the day you won they won the game and Jordan Love looked great he I think this was the Biggest comeback in Green Bay Packers history. He scored all 18 points in the second half or in the fourth quarter. He was great, man. Jordan Love and Jordan Love has been really good, man. He threw. He misses. I'll say this. He has missed a lot of like some of his passes have been way off, but he did show that clutch gene against the Saints and and the Saints defense that has been that is an incredible unit. I I have nothing but respect for Jordan Love, man, and he he has proven me wrong. I will say that he has proven me wrong, and at least through f- the first three weeks, he has looked incredible, and he's looked like one of, if not the best, option for the Green Bay Packers moving forward. So shouts out to him, man. Shout out to him. Uh, I also boy. <laughs> Uh, the Buffalo Bills beat the 
Washington Commanders, 37-3. A lot of people want to look at Eric Bieniemy and go, you know, Eric Bieniemy is trash. Uh, because Sam Howe went 19 for 29, 170 yards, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, again, I think that you ran, you just ran into a better team. The 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 Buffalo Bills have championship cal or Super Bowl caliber aspirations. The Washington Commanders, at least right now, do not. Um, and I'm not gonna talk about. It's hard when the defense is good, obviously, but when you continuously put them on the field and you continuously give them give the Buffalo Bills short yardage, it's it's gonna be tough. Um, I think Sam Sam Howell threw what two pick sixes. It was it was bad. Um. Yeah, the offensive line is not good, and this is one of those games where, you know, the youth of Sam Howell, the inexperience of Sam Howell, really showed. Uh, so, yeah, man, it was tough. It was tough. Shouts out to Josh Allen. Yo, Josh Allen has really shut me up since the first game. I was very vocal on you can't trust Josh Allen. Uh, he, he didn't even have to do much and they won. It was the defense that did it all for this, this game. So shout out to the Buffalo Bills for being the Washington commanders, 37 to three. Um, I want to sit, we need to talk about something real quick. Congratulations and shouts out to the Houston Texans for being in the Jacksonville Jaguars, 37 to 17. CJ Stroud had obviously his best game as a, pro he threw for 208 yard 380 yards two touchdowns shouts out to uh tank dell five receptions for 145 yards one touchdown i think he also had a uh kick return touchdown this was obviously the best game that the houston texans have played this year they won their first game they were incredible shouts out to them and this win, they were the clear-cut best team on the field. And and every facet of the game, they dominated. So, shouts out to the Houston Texans. What needs to be talked about is Trevor Lawrence. And the same uh, rhetoric that, let me just speak for myself. The same rhetoric that I have for Justin Herbert. I think needs to be discussed when we talk about Trevor Lawrence. I know how good of a talent Trevor Lawrence is. I know that when we talk about sheer talent, Trevor Lawrence can be discussed amongst, you know, the likes of a, of a you know Justin Herbert or not not just Justin Herbert of a Joe Burrow of a Patrick Mahomes as far as sheer talent, but the reason why we can't put him kind of like and this is the same exact conversation I had about Justin Herbert last week or last episode. The se- look, the reason why you can't put Trevor Lawrence in that same class is because of games like this. You're at home. 
You're playing against a rookie quarterback. You're playing against a very young team. You should dominate this game. Now, yes, I understand that the Houston Texans defense has been good throughout this year or through this year or the early part of this year, but it shouldn't have been good enough to beat Trevor Lawrence at home. But Trevor Lawrence was terrible. Trevor Lawrence, 27 for 40, 207 or 279 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Trevor Lawrence wasn't that good. And he continues to have games like this. And now he'll have games like when they played against the uh, Chargers in the playoffs, come back from a huge deficit and win the game. Then they'll have games like this. And like I said, talking about when when I I think I did a short about this too, about ranking Trevor Lawrence. Until we find consistency with him, he can. It's it's hard for me to place him anywhere as a top tier quarterback. I'm not gonna say he he has top tier quarterback talent, but he has way too much inconsistency. This isn't just a one week thing. This happens multiple times with Trevor Lawrence. So I'm not taking anything away from the Houston Texans. Shouts out to them. They went in there and were, was the best team, hands down. But, uh, nah. The Jets, I mean, the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence have to be better and have to be more consistent for me to put him as a top-tier quarterback, in my opinion. So, Oh boy. Um the Indiana the Indianapolis Colts beat the Ravens 22 to 19. Look here man, I don't know why I thought that uh the Ravens were going to be healthy this year. <laughs> I don't know I, I, mm. now they could be healthy closer to this playoffs and everything and the Ravens are still 2 and 1. But this game right here is this the exact game that the Ravens lose every year. They should be up. They should they they're at home. Um inclement weather. They have a bunch of injuries, but they're still in it. Lamar Jackson keeps them in it. Um and ultimately they lose. This game it feels like this type of game happens every single year. Oh, and you're playing against a team that doesn't even have their starting quarterback. Gardner Minshew was playing. Now, again, you can look to – I hate when people say they were playing inclement weather or they were playing in bad weather. I hate that because the other team was playing in the same weather and they won. You can look at and say, you know, Rashad Bateman was out, Odell Beckham Jr. was out, like a bunch of defensive – Marlon Humphreys was out. There's a bunch of injuries right now for the Ravens. A lot of people didn't play. But you could have won. Justin, I know it's I know trying to bank, you know, uh <laughs> hoping that Justin Tucker, who will go down as arguably the best kicker of all time, makes a sixty yarder is crazy, but he's done it and they lost. And there's a lot of conversation and talk about Todd Monk or Todd Munkin's offense in the Ravens. And how it it hasn't it's looked difficult. It hasn't looked good. This Ravens offense has not looked good majority of the season or early in this season. Uh, and I am one of the people that 
I'm just gonna say, yo, just just wait, just hold off. It's 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 still new. It's still three weeks in, and you're talking about a person, and you're talking about an offense and the Ravens and Lamar Jackson that is so used to Greg Roman. I mean, he's had Greg Roman for the longest, and now you have a new offensive court, and there it looks it looks the same, but you know you're you're pretty much bringing a whole new system, and it's gonna take some time. Uh, so I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna take much into this game. Uh, I'm not taking away from the Indianapolis Colts either. Shouts out to them. Shouts out to Gardner Minshew. He was incredible. Zach Moss was really good. 30 carries for 122 yards. Um, They won in overtime. Shouts out to them. Uh, Also, the line... I think the Lions go in and beat the Falcons twenty to six. Uh, I think that the Falcons just the, the Falcons they're a young team, yes, but the Falcons need that second win. They need, and I'm, when I don't mean second, I don't mean literally a second win. I mean when their their run game isn't good. I don't think Desmond Ritter has been good enough to be able to pick up the slack. And their run game was not good this this week. I mean, they Bijan Robinson ten carries for thirty three yards. Tyler Aguilar had seven carries for twelve yards. It just wasn't that good. And until until they find balance, they're gonna keep losing games like this. Uh, I know they're two and one, so I'm not. The season isn't over. It's not doomed. But you. They the the Lions and this ferocious defensive front shut down the run game and Desmond Ritter was not good enough to 21 for 38. The man missed 17 passes. 200 yards like it's not going to work. So shouts out to the Lions. Uh, Jared Goff was pretty good at the end. He (laughs) 22 for 33, 243 yards. Um, it was all right. It's just like I said, the 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 Falcons have banked this these first three weeks on how good and how flashy their run game is. Well, it wasn't that good this this Sunday, and as we saw, they need to be better. <laughs> so, shouts out to them, boy. Shouts out to the Seahawks for beating the Panthers thirty-seven to twenty-seven. Boy, um, I, I will say that there was some positives coming out of the Panthers. Andy Dalton looks like he can still play. Yo, Andy Dalton threw for 361 yards, two touchdowns. He also threw damn near 60 times. Um, But this game to me was about the when we, we, we've talked about, you know, the top two or top three teams in the NFC, of course, the. Cowboys, the 49ers and the Eagles. A lot of a lot of times the other other teams aren't discussed a lot and that is the Seattle Seahawks. This can be one of those teams that could surprise a lot of people. Uh Kenneth Walker the 3rd who I thought was going once Brees Hall went out, I thought that he was going to be the offensive rookie of the year last year. He had 19 carry or 18 carries for 97 yards, two touchdowns. DK Metcalf had six receptions for 112 yards. Geno Smith threw for 296 yards. Like 
the Seahawks is a good team. They are a complete team, and they're, the issues that they've had, which has been their defense for the longest, is not an issue anymore. Uh, and I would not be shocked if the Seahawks play a major role in the the who advances in the playoffs, if not them. So, shouts out to the Seahawks for beating the Panthers 37-27. to 27. Ooh, I'm not going to stay long on Pittsburgh. Uh it kind of goes back to bad coaching um when we talk about the Raiders you're uh you're down you're down 8 points with 2 minutes left in your territory and you and you, and you kick a field goal and you you give the ball back to the Pittsburgh Steelers now I understand the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't like doing that well on offense but uh Neither was the Raiders' defense, so it's like, what are you doing? It was that was just a that was a hard game to watch. I'm not taking anything away from Pittsburgh. Shouts out for this, to the Steelers for beating the Raiders 23 to 18, but it's like, I don't look. Maybe maybe I don't know much, but it's obvious. Yo, your defense hasn't been that good. Jimmy G is probably concussed. Why don't you just keep going? For, why don't you just go for it? But you instead kick a field goal and hope that your defense gets a stop, which they really haven't been able to do all game. Shocker, they didn't. Uh, and now you get the ball back for like 15 seconds left, and the very first pass is an interception. Yeah, shouts out to the Steelers for beating the Raiders 23-18. Um, the Eagles destroyed uh, the on Monday Night Football, they destroyed the Buccaneers. Now, if you look at the the uh, if you look at the total score, it doesn't look that bad. It was twenty five to eleven, but it was pure dominance. I think the the um, Eagles had damn near four hundred total four hundred yards of total offense. DeAndre Swift had one hundred thirty three yards. Uh, Aaron Jalen Hurts had 277 yards in the in the air. He ran for 28 yards. Antonio Brown had 131. Like, come on, it yeah. Uh, and it kind of exposed what I thought, and that is Baker Mayfield is has he's been better, but he has he's not on that elite level yet. Um, and I don't, I'm not even gonna say yet. He's not on that elite level. Because uh, even though Jalen Hurts did throw two interceptions and he didn't look that good, he looked much better than Baker Mayfield. I will say that. So, um, I think the Eagles do have some things to clean up, but I will say this. This defense that the Eagles have, when they are clicking, when you have Jalen Carter looking great, you have... Um, Nolan Smith, like this defense is ferocious. This defensive front, Flexer Cox, this defensive front is incredible. And this defense in general, because you still have Darius Slay, you still have Brad Barry, like this defense is good. And I understand that, you know, <laughs> Jalen Carter may not be a full-time player right now. Like he can't get majority of the snaps because he's still learning stuff, but this boy with Jordan with Jordan look like yeah man this yeah their defense is the biggest reason why they won this game and 
their run game, honestly. So, shout out to the Eagles. And uh, the last game, man, that we are going to talk about in the NFL was, of course, the second Monday Night Football game. The Bengals got their first win of the season and beating the Rams 19-16. to um, This this Bengals team, they won because, I mean, Joe Burrow, you can obviously tell, still has a hamstring injury. He did throw for 259 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. The reason why they won this game is because of the defense. Their defense was was incredible on Monday. Now, when we talk about the Rams, <laughs> the Rams' offensive line is horrible. Like, the Rams' offensive line is going to be are probably the reason why they don't do much this season as far as, like, I, they may miss the playoffs because of how bad this offensive line is. And Matthew Stafford, bro, Matthew Stafford's good, but he threw – Two interceptions, one of which was pretty bad. One of one of them was a was a uh, tipped ball at the. But yeah, and honestly, they don't have. I mean, they have Puka Nakua. Nakua, he's been pretty good. Tutu Atwell has been good, but they don't have a running game. And until Cooper Cooper Cup comes back, it's gonna be tough sledding. Um, and they beat the Bengals team that they. Could have very now. I do know that I think two touchdowns pretty much was called back. One of which is because the Bengals called a timeout. The other one, I think Tutu Atwell. They said he was out of bounds when when you saw the replay, which which is actually kind of a storyline uh, this this week. Yo, I'm not I'm not killing officials. Like obviously, you don't want to put yourself in that situation. But there was multiple games and multiple situations where officials really dictated the end of the game. Like with the Ravens, uh, they missed a blatant pass interference. They also missed a blatant face mask on Zay Flowers. Um, They called back a touchdown with this Rams-Bengals game. There was another, I don't remember who it was, but they called out on somebody that clearly wasn't out. Um... Yes, it was it was a tough tough week for the for officials. Oh, and shout out to Jamar Chase. Finally woke up, twelve receptions for one hundred and forty one yards. So, shout out to the Bengals, man. Um, that was week three of the NFL. So, uh, I'm I'm not gonna say on this long, obviously, because it happened Sunday or Saturday, but Oregon did beat. Colorado 42 to 6 like destroyed them. And I think the 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 outcome of this game to me wasn't as surprising. Actually, it wasn't surprising that Oregon won. I thought Oregon was the better team. Uh I just was shocked of how by how much they went. They won. Um Colorado was 1 and 11 last year. And I understand recruiting is a big thing and Coach Prime is a big thing and they've been good throughout the first two weeks of the season. But, and I don't mean this by any disrespect, but there are levels. And while I do think that Colorado is going to be good for years to come with Coach Prime, it's very hard to 
turn a 1-11 team around to a national championship powerhouse in one week. I, don't, or, I mean, in one year. I don't think that's ever happened. Um, and the issues, there are glaring issues for this Colorado Buffalo team. Uh, their their offensive line is horrible. Shador Stevens or Shador Sanders, I'm sorry, has is the most sacked quarterback in college football, and it's really him or nothing. Because I know Tra- uh, uh, Travis Hunter, he was out, and he's such a huge part to their team. Their defense isn't that good without Travis Hunter. Um. Yeah, man. Well, I'm not going to say it's that, not that good. They just ran into an incredible offense with the Oregon Ducks. Uh what I want to uh, what I want to I guess highlight is something that Deion Sanders said after the game, which I completely agree with. And that is people these these teams aren't trying to beat Colorado. They're trying to beat Coach Prime. They're trying to beat Deion Sanders. One thing that I do know about sports, especially college sports, is that they don't like, a lot of times they don't like new. And they don't like new fast. This this Colorado, this Colorado attention, this Colorado team is new. Um... And they don't, they, you're not used to that. What are, what are we doing? So, of course, people want to beat them. People don't like the flashiness. People don't like the attention that Colorado's getting because a lot of people feel like their, their team, their organization, their school should get that type of attention. But at the end of the day, it's, you're not. <laughs> so you just deal with it. So and and I think a lot of what we saw against Oregon is what we're about to see against USC. What I will say though, I don't USC is not good defensively, so it might be a shootout. But I do wholeheartedly think the USC is going to win that game. I don't think that the Colorado season should be over. I know that they're unranked now after this win or loss, but. Uh, yeah. I think when coach when when Colorado goes into any school now because of Deion Sanders, it's it's like it's a huge game for any team that they play. So, we'll see. Uh that has been this week's or this today's episode of the Popular Podcast. I do want to shout out Brianna Stewart. Congratulations to her for winning her second uh MVP. I thought, obviously, I thought Asia Wilson was going to win it, but I, I do respect, you know, Brianna Stewart for winning it. Uh, she had the most 40-point games in, I think, WNBA history this year, I believe. Uh, she's incredible. She's the, the star. Her She's the star in New York, uh, even though, of course, you have Sabrina Descu and John Quill Jones and Courtney Vandersloot. Brianna Stewart is the engine to that car and well deserved. Uh I'm not I'm not mad that she won. I don't think that she didn't deserve it. Uh much 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 praise from her. 
congratulations again, Brianna Stewart, for winning the MVP for her second one, I believe. Um, yeah, that's been today's episode in Popular Podcast. Truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a Popular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. So get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to, I, I want that to grow. I want as many people to subscribe as possible. And I can't do it without you guys. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. If you haven't subscribed, what are you doing? How do you get this far into the episode and not subscribed? It's kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you guys. Uh, and subscribe if you can. Also, follow the socials. Follow Instagram. Follow TikTok. Uh, I post pretty much daily on there so you know we can have conversations we can debate definitely definitely have fun so uh, until next time much love